Welcome back once again to Talking With Tech. I'm joined here by Chris, myself, Lucas Stuber, and our friend Bill Bingo. How are you, sir? I'm great, how are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to be speaking with you today. And uh, probably the first question that we like to ask really is um, just basically who are you and uh, what brought you to where you are today? Well, I'm Bill Binka. I'm the founder of AT Makers. I'm also the co-founder of Lesson Picks, which is an online tool for making uh, therapy materials and, and uh, low-tech AT materials as well. Uh, AT Makers is probably uh, where folks on this uh, podcast will know me from, I think, uh, which is a, a charity we started a couple years ago uh, to introduce AT to STEM clubs and maker spaces and basically the whole maker community and to try and it kind of introduced these two groups because one has such a, a kind of a an intense need for technology and the other has almost a, a glut of ability uh, without, uh, you know, they, they have solutions without problems and uh, we're trying very hard to introduce them. And uh, we've worked with high school kids and, oh, and maker spaces and, and actually some of the largest people in the maker world now like Adafruit to try and uh, get these folks together. So I guess that's that's what I'm doing. And uh, as far as my background goes, I'm an engineer by, by training um, and I kind of married into special ed. Uh, my wife, Lori, is a special ed pre-K teacher, founded Lesson Picks with me. And uh, so that is kind of how I came sideways into this world, right? <laughs> Yeah, nobody ever seems to uh, to come anything but slightly kicking and screaming into our world. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you're, once you're here, you you figure out that hey, I can actually make uh, some amount of contribution, and uh, and you want to. So that's that's kind of where I am now. Great, Bill. I have to say, I, I your story about um, the the maker movement and how it started and how people were uh, had these uh, they were tinkering and making things without really having a problem to solve is so spot on. I kept thinking we met with, with makers uh, before um, they started putting them together with assistive technology. And with that, it was like, well, we're, we're going to stick these uh, electrodes in bananas and see what we can make out of them. And I'm like, well, wait, wait, we have these kids with problems. Let's, let's try and merge these things together. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have a, um, one of my poster children, my, my final straws here was they actually, I, I watched um, Adafruit. I love Adafruit. If I ever, if I ever come across like I'm trashing them, I'm, I'm really not, but they have a, a, a woman who works with them or worked with them named Becky Stern. And she actually had a, a device strapped to her forehead. Uh, and it was an EMG sensor and it was strapped to her forehead. And every time she'd raise her eyebrow, it would text the word sup to her friend and, via text. <laughs> and I watched this and I'm sitting there going, Oh my God. Okay. That's an EMG sensor. They made it for under a hundred dollars. Think don't, stop sending the word stop and just control iOS switch control, right? <laughs> Same hardware, nothing to change except for a little bit of software and we can like make something magic. And so, so we did. So we took exactly their, their guide and, and all I did was change the software to have it send, you know, keystrokes to iOS. And, um, and we turned that into something kind of, kind of amazing. Now is, is it, uh, is it productized? No, none of this stuff is productized, but it may be exactly the thing that your particular client needs to get the access uh, to the to, to the the uh, solutions that they need, right? So you're right. So I, you you watch something that's that's a project called Subbrows. If you want to search for Subbrows apostrophe S U P B R O W S, um, and it's it's kind of fun to watch from an AT perspective because you're like, oh my god. <laughs> so that's great. Um, and, and you're right. You see people making rotocopters flying upside down, and you have to be careful to not. Um, 
to not belittle that because there is a place for making the four foot sword the clothes, right? I made one for my niece. I mean, there's a, there, you have to have the projects that are just nothing but stupid fun. Otherwise it becomes work, mm -hmm. but along the way, right? Let's at least take the artifacts that you develop from making those fun things and try to apply them to AT in, in a way that is, is huge, right? Well, you know, it really meshes with this um, the concept in education right now of project-based learning where uh, you, instead of sitting in rows and listening to a teacher explain content and then you spit it back out on a test, instead you present the students with an authentic problem and then you still right. do all the content, you know, go research and figure out and make something and solve that problem. And so um, I think it's, it's just a perfect timing for something like AT Makers because there's so many people looking for uh, authentic problems they can put in their classroom and turn, turn students on to. Yeah, I had um, I had today uh, right before we got on this call, I was actually teaching eighth graders how to solder, and rather than soldering random things like okay, hold your two wires together and solder them, solder them together, um, I actually had them making jacks. Right, so I had them making mono jacks so that we could then later in November we're going to do uh, a toy adaptation drive for fast. Now we're going to start with 40 jacks already made because that's how we saw, taught the kids to solder. And I, I showed them the video of Ella and what we were doing with AT Makers first, which gave them the motivator. And then we taught them to solder while making something that wasn't a throwaway. Right? And it's, it's a huge, it really does make a difference to the kids that they're not wasting their time. Right. Right. Great. Well, and one thing I always try to do too also is have a, you know, a group of say neurotypical students building things that are going to be used by students that'll, you know, use them to access curriculum at a different grade level or whatever it might be. Um, and, and that's always been a lot of fun, but I love the spirit of, of ad hoc IT, AT. Now, one, one question that I'm constantly challenged with, so I, I, I go out and build and I put videos up, I think even in your group of, um, very low cost eye gaze systems um, that I put together. Mm -hmm. And the question I inevitably get is what happens when you get hit by a bus and there's no support for that. <laughs> Have you gotten that question too? What's, what's, what's a good answer here? So it, it's a, it's a problem that we are dealing with. Um, so being hit by a bus is probably less uh, likely than being hit with life, right? Life takes you out right. of, um, it, it, it takes all of a sudden you're dealing with an emergency instead of, and you no longer have the time to, to donate to uh, whether it's a charity or, or even a business, uh, it ends. So I think one of the big things that can happen and what we're trying to do with AT makers is to try and get first everything captured, right? Do it all on video, do it all with, with the write-up of exactly how to do this and then try to grow the number of people contributing, right? So don't make it. And it's hard because you, you get a lot of people in, in Facebook groups and in, in online social media. You get a lot of people who hit like and, and think they're helping. And, and I mean, I, I guess you do if you share something, it kind of helps a little bit. But it's more important to get more people contributing their solutions and actually uh, replicating your solutions. I, one of my favorite things is that um, Jonathan Lasco in Maryland uh, and his friend Michael like would take my project and they would reproduce it and they'd make a video of the reproduction and I'd see all the things that weren't clear in my instructions and there's the video of somebody else doing this, right? I think we can learn from, um, we can learn from the maker community. If you ever, uh, if you ever look on Wednesday night, uh, Adafruit's got a show and tell that celebrates uh, what people are doing. They, they, they give things away. They, they give, um, uh, recognition, but also um, they give devices, they give support. 
to people who are uh, actively sharing what they're making, right? And if we can we can get a little bit of that more in our community, so it's not just me and Jonathan and Chris Young and Lucas Yu, uh, but also the one level down uh, people who are replicating our solutions or the people who are coming in with uh, the requests and getting more people to you know to to help us document the need out there. The more people we can get engaged, uh, it really will help us because there is there is a bottleneck. There's a bottleneck at the top of um, every, I don't want to say at the top, but at the founding people of each of these movements where you end up being overwhelmed, right? You end up having, right. like in my case, I've got lots of solutions we've replicated or that we've created and we've even sent out that simply never got wrote up. They never got written up correctly. Um, because that's work and it's and it's hard work and it's stuff that nobody wants to do, including me, right? I, I kind of suck at that too. So we're working on that. Um, I do have some uh, some help now. I took our our um, found our our COO from Lesson Picks, and I've um, drafted him to be the organized, careful person on AT Makers uh, to make sure that everything happens because that's not one of my strengths. Uh, so that will help us a little bit. I think getting a little bit of that less um, and so engineering is great and and. Uh, drive is great and and coming up with solutions is great but the follow-through the checking the all the organizational skills that I don't have it's important to get that into an organization and I, I think we're trying to start some of that now um, so that will help uh, I think it, Lucas that would probably it's not probably something you love doing either the, the organizational. no I can relate with everything you're saying for sure so, so I think that finding some people and, and a lot of times the people like Eric Eric Carson's what I'm talking about don't necessarily think when they see this online, they don't think you need their skills. They think you need more makers and more technology people. But you need organized people who are willing to write up the documentation or who are willing to just have the checklist to make sure you did everything you needed to and, and you followed through and finished it. So uh, so that that's very helpful. Um, hopefully that will help us a little bit going forward. And then uh, we are doing a couple things over the next few months that will help us as well. We're kind of formalizing the affiliate part of AT Makers, which means that if you are a STEM program, uh, maybe you're a robotics club or a makerspace uh, or a you know, STEAM program, whatever acronym you want to use now, um, and you want to be able to get service uh, hours for your kids, we've got the 501c3 designation. We can sign off on that. We're going to have more um, kind of onboarding of that to make it more official with kind of a badging and, and things like that so that the kids get something more official than, hey, you're helping out folks because that kind of structure will help us as well. Um, that's more specific to AT Makers because it is trying to deal with existing groups, right? Uh, but I think that it will, uh, that will, that should help as well. Got it. Yeah. So what is, um, and this is going to be one of those totally obtuse questions. I know the answer, but I want to hear it online. What, what's the point for the schools? Like what's in it for the schools? So um, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's much easier to explain this to the kids than to the coaches. <laughs> um, if you talk to a robotics team, um, if you talk, if you can actually get to the kids, they get it. They, they want to do something real. They want to actually use the skills they have to impact somebody else's life. They want to, um, they don't want to wait to graduate from college before they impact the world around them. They, that, that's what they get out of it. That's for one thing they get out of it is, is doing something real. Um, you can't say it that way when you're talking to the head of the, the robotics team, 
because it's kind of like saying to the head of the football team, football's not real, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. They, they immediately shut down and say, but wait, we have a competition on Friday, right? Um, and you have to think of this as the robotics competition is the sport, and that's why the team exists. Um, and then there's this other stuff that is also important, like service. And it's also important, like, um, you know, filling out application for colleges. If you can say, you know, oh, hey, I made a rotocopter fly upside down, that's neat. And if you can say, I helped Ella control her power chair, you get into college, right? Yeah, um, right. So, totally. So it's one of those things where you have to get that across and you have to do it while recognizing that without the robotics team, they wouldn't have the skills you need, right? So you have to stop and respect that and say, you know, um, we're not, this can't be something that's done instead of, right? Or that's more important than. It has to be something that um, is also important, but is secondary to the fact that, that you are a robotics club first because that's why you founded this, right? Um, right. So, so that's that's important. As far as the schools themselves, they are always looking for service projects. They're always looking for ways to engage their kids and get them more involved. It is a great way to get, and it's going to come across as maybe sexist, but but listen to the whole thing for for you. Neither of you two are going to say that, but um, if you if you if you're trying to get girls involved in STEM, this is a really good way to do it because the girls are the ones who look at this and say, okay, this is a reason for me to learn right. this technology. I don't That's care human. about getting the balls in the bucket, but I absolutely care about Ella being able to move her chair. And that that is a very good reason to do this as well. Great. Perfect. Yo, can uh, I yeah. ask a question? Sure. I got a question for you. So um, uh, I can see a lot of people maybe driving in their cars right now listening to this going, yeah, but you know, I don't know anything about like how to solder or how to, uh, this club helping people sounds good. Is it, does it gear towards high tech or do you think that there's a place for low tech as well? You know, putting PVC pipes together and, and, you know, making low tech stuff is, is it all over the gamut or is it lean towards high tech? So it's all over the gamut. We, we have to, so we've always done low tech in AT, right? We've always done uh, switch adapting. We've always done ha handmade switches. Um, so what is really important to recognize is that low tech um, is now a misnomer, right? So um, if you've ever used Instamorph, and, I, and you guys probably both have, but if, if, if you're out there and you don't know what Instamorph is, go watch a video, right? So this is um, the materials today are so different between Sugru and Instamorph. What you can do in the low-tech space is so much more. You can make a mount hand, handmade to somebody's you know, uh, hand, perhaps it's constricted or whatever. You can make a switch that exactly fits their hand um, with a, literally a cup of tea water and Instamorph, and you can do that. You won't burn yourself. It is amazing. And it is still something that anybody who can play with Play-Doh can play with Instamorph and will make the difference in whether or not this person can control their switches. So it's important to stop thinking of low-tech as less important. Uh, it is just as important, but also we can't, st we can't think low-tech is the same as it was 10 years ago. Low-tech has also completely changed, right? What we can do today with, with the, the new materials and the new devices out there uh, is is worth is worth learning about. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, how do people get involved? Um, so, 
first keep an eye on your your local space if you're in a school system um you, you have an uh, an at department you've probably never met them I and mean, this podcast probably has met them uh, but you also recognize that you have a stem program that is ridiculously well funded uh, and is looking for service projects um so if you're in that arena make sure that you reach out and meet them there's a coordinator for that in your in your district uh, if you if you need help with that, ask us. So ask AT Makers. You can go to atmakers.org. Uh, there's a form you can use to sign up there. At, after you sign up the form, it will tell you, go to the Facebook group as well. And I'll tell you that basically the, the .org site, the, the website itself, is where things go when they're done and documented and ready. <laughs> and um, I mean, we just lost Lucas, I think. Um, I'm here. <laughs> a little earthquake or something. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, so the the website itself, uh, atmakers.org, is more for the finished projects and for the documented work. Uh, we will be adjusting it a little bit to add kind of a find your local maker piece to it. But what's happening? All of the in flights, right? So all of the discussion, all of the stuff that we're working on right now is really kept in the uh, the Facebook group, the AT Makers Facebook group. Uh, you're both uh, Lucas and Chris are both members um, and uh, both contributors. I think I know I'm not sure if Chris has posted yet, but I'm sure he will um, join us there and you'll see questions that, that are, are sometimes simple, like, Hey, how am I going to, you know, position the switch or uh, has anybody, there was one today that somebody said, um, I'm, I'm just now facing a, my own disability after being in, in the space for a long time. And um, I'm having trouble with typing quickly. I don't really want to go to Dragon. What are my other options, right? So there's questions like that where you're going to hit this larger audience of, you know, six or 800 people. Some are technologists, some are AT folks. And you're, you're going to find fascinating conversations happening. And then just join. Ask your own questions um, or, you know, at, at the very least, comment on the things that are going on. Perhaps you have something to, to contribute or maybe you'll just learn something, right? So join that way. And then if you have trouble joining, if you need an introduction, I've done repeatedly, I have done um, live introductions between the AT person, which is usually a speech path or an occupational therapist, and the head of the robotics team. And I'm in this weird position where I kind of live in both worlds. And I can talk to the geek and explain to him what we're gonna need from his group and what skills they're gonna need um, and how much time it's going to take. And I talk to the AT person and explain what they're going to get out of this. And I'm happy to do that. I'd love to have a couple other people. Lucas, you are right in this space as well. Uh, Chris, you are right in this space as well. Uh, I'd love to get a few more people who are introducers uh, who can bridge that sure. gap. Um, but that, that's something that we're happy to do. Uh, I do. I'd say right now I'm doing about one a week. I usually do it by phone. Uh, right. If you want to do video, I can do video, but it's usually a phone call sure. and uh, we're happy to, to pair people up. Well, and that's one thing I found is, you know, if you were to draw like my, I'm lucky enough, my bachelor's was in computer science and then a master's in linguistics. And then I went on and got the speech pathology piece. So I've done all the app coding and all that other fun stuff, but the core root, uh, you know, engineering side of things is still very much part of my heart, right? Right. Not only mechanically, but also, I mean, I, you know, can't see it, but there's monitors all around me and they're all running different variants of, of Linux. <laughs> my one, my one. And I, I think I've got a couple, uh, a couple Arduino boards laying around here too. But um, I guess my point is that the, if you were to draw a Venn diagram between the people who actually know stuff about the science and know stuff about speech and language, it, the interlap is just, it's nothing, you know? Right. 
and, and just even knowing the possibilities. Like I had a family recently that they have a, a young man who has a neurodegenerative uh, disorder um, who was forgetting where the bathroom was. Well, set it up really easily with an Arduino board so that when he opens his door at night, Christmas lights lead him to the restroom. I haven't had any more incidents, you know. It can be something that simple, you know. It, it can be something as complex as an ad hoc eye gaze system for much, much less than what's out there. But even, even just um, you need to be in touch with the, the target population, so to speak, to know what the needs are. Um, because as an engineer, it's real easy to get high and, well, we're going to fix everything with our mecho suit. And, um, and in reality, what's needed is a 3D printed stylus, you know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think that one of the things that I, I got, uh, the, the, the moment I had that was when I walked through the hall, the first time I walked through the hall at ATIA. I was, I'm a member of ATIA. I think the conference is great. I hope to see you both there. Uh, but the very first time I walked through the exhibit hall at ATIA, I was really irritated because I'm an engineer. And so by out of habit, I do a bill of materials on every part that I see as I go through ATIA and I'm going uh, 90 bucks. All right. So triple that for retail, 300 bucks. And it's like $7,500. And I'm going, oh. <laughs> and it's a lava lamp too, right? Right, right. And you're they're looking at it and you're going, no, there's no way. And it took me a long time to figure out, you know, okay, how did we get this broken? How did AT get this broken? And, and I think I have a decent idea now. And, and there's nobody, there are very few evil companies in AT. There's lots of people working within a broken system, trying to do their best, um, but but doing it in a way that, that really can be done much simpler and, and very often is being done more to match what's in the letter, literally the letter of the law or the letter of the CMS spec or, or you know, what can get funded rather than what does this person need? And I think that that's a, that's a, a shift that we're seeing now. And I think we're, we're seeing a, a space where makers can make a big difference because you're putting the engineering skills at the point of service, right? So you can make a, a solution that is for Joey and it is, it may never be used by anybody else in the world, but it's been made by a maker community near him who knows his needs, right? I love what we did with Ella in, um, in Chicago. I think both of you have seen that. Uh, Ella Hunt, a little girl with, um, with uh, spinal muscular atrophy type one. Uh, we did make a, a box so that she can drive her chair with two switches, left turns left and right turns right, and both goes forward. Uh, but more importantly, we introduced her to the robotics team who has now kind of adopted her and they've cool. made troughs out of um, PVC that holds her arm in place. And they've, they've done, um, they found a, a, a charger. They found a, a battery um, charge, a charger for one of her devices that had been lost. They found one and they swapped the polarity so that it would work. You know, all sorts of little low, you know, simple low hanging fruit um, that would that make the difference for whether this, this family is having a hard time or succeeding. And what they really need is some local engineering support. Mm -hmm. And so, so that, that model I think is, is working and, and we basically need to see a lot more of it. Right. Um, so yeah. that, that's where we're going. And I think that a lot of people in the industry, even, even some of people we, we've been thinking of as holdouts, um, everybody is seeing that some of this is going to happen. Right. So the maker right. industry is taking note. There's a great quote from uh, Lamore Freed when she was asked what's kind of happened in the maker world over the next five years, the first thing out of her mouth was, I love what's happening with assistive technology. I think she called it accessible technology, but she just knew the word AT and she, she, and it was great to hear her use that first. Right. And she said, sometimes, you know, 
Maker learns that the only thing you need is a big old button that sends keystrokes to your iPad, and the maker says, "Oh, I'll make you that, right?" And <laughs> out of Play-Doh, out, out of whatever, whatever I've got, hand, you know, local. Um, Anything conductor. Yeah, exactly. So, so that that is very exciting to see uh, the fact that they are uh, actively reaching out to us and, and trying to help us from the technology side is great. Um, so I, I think it's it's an interesting time in AT. Uh, you know, that's the old Chinese curse, right? May you live in interesting times. I think we are, we are entering an interesting time in AT, probably similar to when the, the iPad came along. Uh, and this is just happening to the rest of AT, right? The, the mounting solutions, the, you know, the switch solutions, all the things that are, are out there are going to see the same thing that, that the device manufacturers saw in, in, the, in, the, in the iPads came out, right? It's just right. going to shake things up and it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, for me, it's going to be a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the cusp of a real renaissance in terms of what can be done, um, yep. especially as the generations that really understand how to manipulate these things, uh, you know, gets older and encounters the world of disability and these other things. I mean, which we already saw happen with ALS, for example, you know, we had all of this huge explosion of programs come out once uh, all these old engineers got ALS and I can't use all of them. Dasher make, makes my head spin, but I love Dasher. So, so everybody, everybody trashes Dasher. So I, I can't watch somebody else use Dasher. So by the way, for those of you who don't know, Dasher is a, a really forward thinking, um, fascinating piece of software for, for um, speech generation uh, or, or text generation, really writing, right? Uh, keyboard replacement. And it, it flies, words fly through the air and, and it, it uses statistics and it's great. It's phenomenally written and I love using it. But if you try to watch anybody else use it, you're going to barf. <laughs> you're, it's, it is nauseating to watch anybody. It's kind of like when you're, not, when you're driving, you're okay. But if you're watching somebody else, you're driving along the road and somebody else is driving, you can't do it. Um, but I love Dasher. I think everybody should try it. Um, and, and, and there will be the next version that doesn't have that problem. Somebody will come up with the replacement for Dasher that doesn't uh, have that. But, uh, I just recommended Dasher today in the, in the AT makers group. So I, I have a lot of my students try it just so, just so they know what's possible out there. Yeah. And, and there, there are great benefits. I didn't mean to trash on, on Dasher. <laughs> it's, it's old technology. I can't, yeah, it's been around forever. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that it hasn't uh, taken off more. Chris, do you know anything going on with Dasher? Anybody still doing active development on it? No. Not in fact, I've never heard of it. Oh, my never God. Even... Chris. Oh, gonna... Okay. Put so part of Dasher after this. Yeah, you need to go watch. I made a video on it. It's on the AT Maker site. But there's also lots of others. It is uh, worth downloading and playing with because if once you get good at it, you I, I can use Dasher as fast as I can type. And I type 80 words a minute. Um, it's <laughs> Wow, it's that good. I've never gotten that good. Oh, it's it's amazing. Um, it is something where once you get it down, it works. You've got to get over the, the learning curve and then don't watch anybody else do it. Because if you watch somebody else do it, you're not going to want to try it. Because it, <laughs> it really is nauseating if you're not controlling it, right? Yeah. So um, have, you, have you been in the process of calibrating of any of the brain computer interface stuff that's out now these days? No. So the closest I've got to that is that actually there is a, a guy – who I'm kind of two peoples away from via Adafruit that is doing a lot of um, EMG and, you know, myo uh, muscular and, and uh, yeah, yeah, sure. stuff. Um, so there is, there are open source um, uh, EMG, EEG and EKG sensors out there. They will be fascinating for AT, but I haven't looked at them yet. 
I, I had a chance to try one of the EEG systems, and it, it did, was actually effective. I was able to spell with it, but the calibration process was about five minutes long, and it reminded me a heck of a lot of that light dashers. So. Yeah, yeah, so I um, – Needs a light blinking. Yeah. So I, I think that um, eye gaze is probably the, the area that uh, kind of direct interaction is going to um, – it's the next big step, right? So Toby's, Toby's involvement with Microsoft and their involvement with all the gaming systems, uh, so that, that's something worth maybe a separate conversation. Um, so I don't know if you guys know this. Toby um, released a version of their eye gaze systems for gaming. Right, so that yeah. if you're using if you're using some of the games from EA Sports and other things, your eye tracking will control the game, right? right? And so they've they've discovered or they've decided that there may be a market other than AT for eye gaze tracking, um, and they've gotten Microsoft to add eye gaze into the operating system, which is great. Um, that's that's something to watch because so um, somebody asked me on the AT chat. Um, what's AT going to look like in 10 years? And I said, I typed my, one of like my most favorited tweets ever said, I said, in 10 years, there's not going to be any AT. We're all going to use technology to overcome our own limitations. And I think that's true. I think that AT is going to blend into just tech, right? You're going to have people who you're going to have people who say, um, you've got, um, eye gaze control and we're using it in games oh yeah you're going to need to use it just for typing or, or whatever that is will you have uh, a small subset of people who have very strange technology needs sure but their solutions are going to be custom and, and that's where the makers are going chris you are you are not agreeing with me no i'm agreeing with you 100 percent, bill it's like you look historically right um right now the phone is going off right or we're talking on touch screens or we use touch screen technology where did touch screen technology come from well we used to put these touch screens over computer monitors for people to access right. where did word prediction come from yeah. word prediction was to help people use and now it's on every device if you look historically at you start with people with disabilities and apply that to everybody else um that's exactly where technology is yeah. going so if you start yeah. with eyes for people with disabilities and then it just naturally blossoms to be used by somebody everybody else right. just follow the historical trend yeah i think i think right. the thing that's killing us on that honestly is the way we have gotten uh the funding screwed up i mean it has it has stopped a ton of innovation is the the way we've gotten funding structured right now uh, I, I don't know how to fix it. one of the things i say whenever i give i give a keynote in new jersey chris i think you were you weren't there but you were going to be there right um, no, i didn't know about it so um I gave a, a keynote and one of the things I said was after explaining how screwed up everything was, I said, how do we fix it? And it says, I have no idea, <laughs> but, <laughs> but here are the things we can do. We can stop pretending that it's normal, right? Right. We can recognize that there's a problem and we can stop pretending that there are no other options, right? There are self-funded options or there are unfunded options. There are, uh, you know, there are maker solutions that are also solutions. The, you know, the funded right. solution is not the only way to go. And so that, that's, I, I don't know how to fix it, but I have a feeling that if you do those things, eventually the, the, the gap between the funded solutions and the other solutions will become so glaring that it may solve itself, right? Right. So that's my, my favorite story going back a moment about the, um, I, I don't know, I guess I would say the way, the way that we've husbanded our environment in terms of technology was uh, about 80,000 years ago, we have archaeological evidence that human foot bones got a lot smaller and weaker. And it was right around the same time we, we, find it, we started to find shoes in burial sites. 
Um, so, but, and yet we don't call it our alternative and augmentative locomotion, right? We just <laughs> right, exported right. a biological characteristic of ourselves into the environment because we presume that it's always going to be there to support us. You know? Right. So glasses are another example of that. But it's interesting to me how much assistive technology is conceptualized still as visible or invisible, right? You know, when um, we're all of us users of AAC, we're all of us users of AT. Um, it's just a matter of how off the norm your particular variant seems to be. You know, one of my big aspirations, I know with, with speech science, and but with generally, like right now, if, if you go to aac.speechscience.org, we have a whole bunch of simulated AAC boards and games to walk you through how to use them and things like that. But I would love to have like a like an at.speechscience.org that has videos and walkthroughs and recipes. Um, and, and when I say that, I don't even, it doesn't need to be on speech science, just like links to these things at least, you know. Uh, right. Yeah, so I, I have a, um, I have some things to decide about uh, on that area as well. Um, I've got uh, an invitation to write uh, AT content for Adafruit site. They cool. have a lot of, um, they have a much broader audience, right? Um, wait a second. No, wait, I got to interrupt you. I'm going to guess yeah. a lot of people listening to this don't know what Adafruit is. So and you've right. mentioned it a bunch of times now. So just if Fair you're point. like, what the heck is this thing? What is that? <laughs> okay. So, so um, Adafruit is one of the most interesting maker companies out there. So, so just before I ask, Lucas and Chris, do you know what Adafruit is? Yes, not? I do. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Okay, so Adafruit was founded by a woman named Lamore Freed, uh, who calls herself, other people really call her Lady Ada, uh, basically fashioned Adafruit after uh, Lady Ada Lovelace, the first programmer, happens to be female, but actually the first programmer ever. Um, and she was a, a engineer from MIT uh, who graduated and decided to start her own company, kind of from MIT actually, uh, eventually uh, founded a company with uh, her partner, Phil Tyrone. Uh, who I, I don't think they're married, but they're together. Um, and it, uh, it it turned into a company that has um, has kind of changed the maker world. They they have a factory in New York City. They make all the all of their products themselves. They make products that allow makers to make interesting projects. And and what's really fascinating is when you ask them about their company, they'll say we are a um, we are a tutorial company with a gift shop. So they, they write tutorials that show you how to do sub browse, the thing I was telling you before, or how to make uh, an awesome Halloween costume with, with eyes that track people, or how to make an infinity mirror, or whatever the maker project is. They'll write a guide that says, here are the steps of exactly how you do it. Uh, and then down the right-hand side are all the parts you're gonna need to make the project and they're all sold by Adafruit. And so you'll say, oh, well, in order to run this project, I'm gonna need three of these and two of those and four of those. So that's the gift shop part. And I think it is an absolutely fabulous model for AT, right? So we need to have a tutorial company that yes, you can buy the parts that you're gonna to need to make these. And maybe we're, they're affiliate links to Amazon or maybe we actually do make these things or sell these things or whatever it is. It's still a great model because we are writing tutorials of how to solve problems in AT. So um, they're, they're, they are very successful. They are, have, they are probably the best social media company or they are the company that makes the best use of social media that I am aware of, right? Every, every Wednesday they have a show and tell where their community is just kind of given the mic and says, show off what you're doing. And there's a six-year-old kid who 
you know, learned how to make something blink. And then there's a 35-year-old who's literally taking apart a scanning electron microscope in his shed, right? And all these people are celebrated for being makers. And they love us. They love AT because our stories are compelling, right? Great. Chris Young is a, is a maker who also has SMA type 2. He's 63. He's doing great. He has made every piece of, uh, of AT that he has himself. Right, he made the joystick that controls his chair. Uh, he controls all the light. I went to his house. It's kind of crazy. Everything is wired for Chris, <laughs> and he invented all of it. His dad, who's now 86 or so, uh, has basically just been his hands. Um, his stories are great because they're real. So Phil uh, Lamore's partner um, kind of drank our Kool-Aid a little bit and said, you know, um, we're all for this. What do you need? And they've been incredibly supportive. They, they are not just cheerleaders, but they're supportive in, in ways like when I needed uh, help with a circuit, right? Lamore would say, do it this way. Or that's not going, actually, what she really said was, that's not going to work. <laughs> and you might as well stop. That's not going to work, which is great to have somebody that talented and, and that, that um, you know, uh, knowledgeable in the field have that kind of input it's kind of like chris saying you know something on on aac or at that's not going to work bill stop i can stop and find something else um so they've been uh r remarkably supportive and, and I, I just recommend that, that people take a look at it they're all their stuff's archived on youtube uh you can look at last week every week they have a thing called ask an engineer it's a hour-long show at eight o'clock uh, on Wednesday, and you can watch it, and you'll you'll very quickly pick up on the fact that oh, this is the way successful companies are going to be in ten years because they're going to form a community around themselves, they're going to support them, um, and otherwise they're going to be driven out by competitors with you know cheaper manufacturing. That's great. Uh, this is how you do small batch manufacturing in the future: is you surround yourself with your community. That's great. I think I think that's a lesson for AT. Um, you know, there, there's going to be an AT company that follows this model. It will not be mine. Everybody seems to think it will be mine. I have no desire of running another company. Lesson Picks is doing great, and uh, I can't. I don't have it in me. But there's going to be an AT company that follows this model, and I'll cheer them from the sidelines, right? Well, and just to be clear, we uh, we hear that talking with tech are not receiving any money from them. But uh, <laughs> but I do. Uh, I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued by that. Years ago, um, I did a series of videos and instructional stuff for the Makey Makey team under Tom Heck. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, know that whole crew. Um, I know they... I don't know them personally. I know the Makey Makey well. Yeah, I know they've been working on having some um, sort of uh, mixtures and recipes and those sorts of things, but more along the lines of, I think, for kids um, to use in, in the schools uh, more than anything else. But, but I think it's great. I mean, the more that people can come to, it really was a cathartic realization for me the first time, particularly with the eye gaze stuff, realizing like, wait a minute, part A fits with part B and that driver runs part A and I can, this whole thing costs $300. You know, I mean, that was, I felt, you know, godlike in that moment until it broke. And then uh, I felt <laughs> until it broke. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Binko, I, in respect for your time, I, we better let you go here pretty soon. But um, is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't ask you about? Uh, just keep an eye on things. There are some, there's so much going on right now. Um, and this is for both of you, but your audience as well. We've got, um, Tech Act programs around the country who are starting to see the need for this. I mean, we have, say, I can talk about this one. We have uh, the state of Florida's Tech Act program, uh, FAST. Um, they raised five grand uh, last year 
and they only bought 30 adapted toys for their toy drive. And this year, they are going to give away well over 100 because, and, and for a fraction of that, because they're buying the toys and they're having their local makers adapt them. And the high school kids are, um, you know, are getting the service points and, and, and the experience doing that. You're going to see this spread. So keep your eye open on it. I, I think you'll see companies coming around um, to, to recognizing that this is a reality and adapting themselves and, and, and aligning themselves to kind of fit with it. So that'll be very exciting. That's good to know. Can you share once again your contact information if our listeners want to get a hold of you? Sure. So um, if you want to join the, the group, uh, it, you just look for AT Makers on Facebook or go to atmakers.org. If you want to reach me directly, you can email me at bill at atmakers.org. Uh, I read my own email. Um, and uh, also you can find me at, uh, at AT Makers. It's AT underscore Makers. The other, the one without the underscore was taken. So AT underscore Makers on Twitter or at Lesson Picks. I also tweet for, uh, for Lesson Picks if you have questions about that. Great. And for our part, please feel free to visit tech.speechscience.org or email contact at speechscience.org. We'd love to hear uh, your feelings. Subscribe to the podcast and uh, give us, can you use six star ratings? I think it's only five star ratings. No, I'm serious. Give us, give us your authentic uh, opinion of, uh, of what we've done. And uh, Mr. Rico, it was a great pleasure to have you here on the show. Hope to see you again. I actually have about 10 more questions for you, so soon. Well, you can always send them and uh, we'll do it offline, right? Yeah, there we go. All right. All right, Bye, cheers, folks. Thank you, you very much. much.